Welcome to Jaipur Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshtata. Jaipur Literature Festival 2023 has begun. And what you're about to listen to is a live session from day one of the festival. And it's called A Country Called Childhood. Deepti Nawal in conversation with Surana Narula. a very special person whom I've known for the last 20 years. You all know her as an actor, perhaps even as a photographer, a painter. And I noticed in the introduction that they didn't talk about her as a writer. I have actually known her as a writer for a very long time. She wrote the book of poetry, Lamhe, uh, many, many years ago. I think we did a session in Nehru Center in London with your poetry book. She wrote the Mad Tibetan, uh, short stories in which she describes uh, an, a person called Tulli, who's, uh, uh, who's working in the red light district. She had, and you know, she is, meticulous and a perfectionist in whatever she does. She's an inspiration to me. Uh, when she was doing a role where she was expected to uh, you know, play a red light uh, area actor, she actually went, studied, learned what it was like, and she came back and, and did the role. So she is like that. So anything she does is absolutely well-researched. I have watched her closely. She travels extensively. I remember one year she came to Delhi. I think it was around 15 years ago. And she was telling me, I'm looking for a, a, you know, a certain type of clothes that will be great in winter. And I'm looking at her and thinking, where is she going? And I'm looking for a sleeping bag. And I'm looking for lenses for a camera. So I said, Deepthi, where are you going? She said, I'm going to this uh, Sanskar frozen river. Trek. So I said, yeah, but uh, how? I mean, it's a week-long trek. It was a week-long trek. And she said, 10 days. And she said, I'm going. I said, but who's going with you? She says, no, I'll, I'll manage it. I'm going. And my husband was standing there. He said, Are, iska bandubas kar lo. Ye nahi wali. <laughs> you know, so she was like that completely, you know, a, a dynamic woman. I mean, you can't imagine. I mean, she's not that actress who is the next door girl. I'm so sorry, she's nothing of that sort. If you know her closely, she's far beyond that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, because you know, I, I just can't understand where this girl next door comes from or Miss Chumko. I don't, I don't know that woman at all. <laughs> so um, she is an inspiration for me. Yeah. I have learned to do a lot of things because of her. You know, my career as well for 20 years, I've been doing very different things and that is, she's been my great inspiration. But today, this is a literature festival. And 
I just want to give you a little bit of a definition of literature for, my, for me to understand. Literature is writing that is considered to be a work of art. Literature is a method of recording and preserving history. This book, Deepti's book, A Country Called Childhood, does exactly that. It's no ordinary biography. It's no ordinary autobiography or just a memoir. It actually, you know, I was jealous. She sent me this book to read, you know, and five years I had been holding, in a way, her hand because she used to call me and say, you know, this is very difficult. I'm doing this and I've been told, no, do it like this. I said, Deepti, just write a book like everybody else now. They get a person to write it for them and actresses, film stars, big superstars, that's what they do. But Deepti being Deepti, no. She said, I am a writer. You've seen me. I've done, you know, this uh, prose. And I need to write this as a literary piece of work. So, <laughs> so I would tell her, I said, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. So carry on. For five years, she didn't see me. I don't think you came to London. She didn't. She, I, I have to work on this book. So every bit that she's written is well-researched. It's put together beautifully. And I want to go to one scene in the book to describe this, where she is in her house in Chandravali, and he must have been 10 years old, probably. And she wrote on the pillar, Deepti Naval, um, Chandravali, Hall Bazaar, Amritsar, India, Asia, World, Cosmos. So she put the whole context of where Deepti Naval is placed. And this is exactly what this book does. She talks about India. She talks about the, about the world. Sorry, let me begin there. She talks about the world war because, and in it were placed these people, her family. So when the world war happened, her one side of the family, that's the mother's side, they had to migrate from Burma. And I think they took around a couple of months to walk across the borders. On the other hand, her father, who was in Lahore, met her mother there and they got married. And then 1947 happened. Another world event, by the way, I didn't know. I thought it was India, Pakistan, but no, it was uh, the um, sort of American idea of, um, you know, finance moving from shifting from England to America that made England poorer and sort of less powerful. Therefore, partition happened for us. And that was a world event. And her parents came, migrated at that point to this house, Chandravali, which belonged to her grandparents. So this book talks about all of that. Then while they are in Amritsar, two wars happen. 1962 and 1965. I was also a couple of years here and there born in Amritsar. And I was there, I remember the war, 1962. And I remember that Chini, Chini Chini Bhai Bhai thing that I think you've written here. Yeah. And I remember the second, 65 war where we were told to run into the trenches in Amritsar. And she's written all about that. And she's written it, her prose is so beautiful. You know, it's the descriptions are Dickens-like. 
they are hardy like i mean the way you've described every aneri i aneri i the the uh, setting in amritsar it's it's somewhat out of a book from hardy i think where you are describing every leaf how what's happening yeah so i'm i'm giving you the whole context because when she's going to read out of a passage you'll know what where it is from so this is her context there's these families there's the world events happening there are the events in india happening then there is amritsar beautiful city amritsar which has been described by very few i think not that many starting with um, chandrathar guleri who described it in usne kaha tha beautifully described about how people in amritsar have such a unki itni meethi zuban hoti hai ki jab wo tanga wala ja raha hai to wo bhi gali nahi nikalta wo kehta hai he talks like bbg hatiye you know so har har cheez ke aage ji hota hai chahe wo jitna marzi gusse mein amritsar wale bole there is always a ji attached to it and she's written the similar kind of a paragraph in her book where she's describing amritsar and then the context of a house uh, which is called um, your house the nichandravali so chandravali is placed in a in hall bazaar you know where life is happening all around her okay so there is this mochistan which is the mochis uh, cobblers who've been allowed to settle there because her grandfather had empathy for migration and they were migratory people and he said okay you can occupy the land behind me and it became a mochistan there were hundreds of them there and here was deepthi in this beautiful huge house with the central court uh, standing up and watching one side is mochistan the other side you have this beautiful masjid uh, masjid where there's azan every day there's another story about the masjid too where uh, in 47 the masjid had stopped functioning as a masjid it was closed and many years later when the first azan happened they were they welcomed it that you know this is the again come up and and this beautiful description of the way hindu muslims behaved during 1947 we all know about the riots we all know that there was a lot of killing but we don't know how the gentlemen of lahore indians who had come across behaved because her father is from lahore and my father is from lahore and we both have an incident which is quite similar her father was asked during that time a grandfather who was working as a lawyer he used to fight the cases of the people on this side and he thought my conscience doesn't allow me to fight for people who've killed you know whoever it is it's human beings you know my dad similarly he um, people came to him after 47 when it was happening the riots were happening uh, he had lost 21 members of his family i lost my grandmother and they were all massacred but a group of people came and told him they said you know we've caught a lot of muslims come and help us kill them and he looked at them and he said what's wrong with you he's just another human being he's not the one who's killed my family how dare you do that so here are the gentlemen of that era who felt you know people are different that person is different this person is different they have to be treated like that so beautifully all this is in the book please read it i mean it's just amazing i won't take more time i want to get into the book now <laughs> yeah i just wanted to lay out the context okay so we are going to start 
in the beginning where I am going to read a little bit because I just think this is fascinating. I'm going to, no, I'm just going to introduce it. Thank you. I have to. <laughs> I have to. You want to allow me. Four lines. Thank you all. I'm just reading six lines. That's Thank all. you for being here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also going to read. Don't yeah, she's going to read. After this, I'm going to keep quiet, okay? Memory rushes back at times, pulls me by my finger, eggs me on and says, come, let's go. Inside those dark chambers where you stood in the light, rejoicing in a life yet to unfold. This is how she begins. And over to you, Deepti. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. A note about the book, you're going to introduce that. Yeah, well, I, I said that, not without my glasses. When I started to write about my childhood, I thought of it as not just a regular book where I tell people about all that I have lived through. Rather, I wanted to recreate my childhood for the reader. I wanted to take you through those corridors of memory, setting up things the way I remember them. In that sense, it is not a typical memoir. It is more like, like a novel or screenplay. This book could simply be titled Stories from My Childhood and it would be apt because I feel life is all about stories. That I am the sum total of all the stories that impacted me during, since I was a little girl, stories from my early days. It is stories that fill me up with life, make me what I am. Stories that make me look at life the way I do, stories that make my world come alive. If it were not for the stories that came down to me from my mother, my father, and from all the people around at the time I was growing up, then who would I be? What would I be without the stories that crept into my heart and found a nestling place and stayed in there forever? Stories, I don't nurture them, they nurture me. Now a descriptive passage of uh, Amritsar and... Should yeah. I read the first one? Yeah, read yeah. the first one. Just see the prose, see how Thanks beautiful... Thanks for that lovely show. introduction, by the way. That was <laughs> a long one. That was uh, very kind words, really. Normally people just say, Oh, you know, Chashme Baddur, or Aapne Dekha Hoga, or Likhti Bhi Hain. So, here is somebody who's trying to do justice to my soul. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my this is my this is the earliest of my memories uh, this is the very first memory I can think of you know this is the first thing that I wrote down when I decided okay um, I'm going to write a book about my life but not an autobiography not okay I did this and that and this is how I got this film and then I met so and so and I got that project not that I'm going to write about things that um, have a place in my heart. So it would be my childhood. So here's the first memory. It's getting dark in the city of Amritsar. Shops are shutting down, street lamps come on, casting dim yellow pools of light. 
rickshaws and bicycles hustle to make their way home. A handcart loaded with gunny bags wobbles down the street. Even Dwarka's kite shop is winding up. The old Sardar tailor pulls his rickety shutter down, gets on his bicycle and pedals away. Shani's voice can be heard. She's urging her buffaloes home. Grabby little boys, the mochis, play outside in the gully and behind the threshold of the patak, the big iron gate, two little sisters, Bobby and Dolly, go about their lives. This scene seems like it's from hundreds of years ago, but it actually dates back to 1956. It's one of my earliest memories in which I'm almost four years old. It's the street I remember the most, the street on which I lived. Now remember I'm living, I lived within the walled city of Amritsar. A little girl darts out of her house crying, I want to go to my mama. Come back, shouts my sardi, my nanny from inside the big gate. No, I want to go to my mama. Your mama has gone to the cinema. You get in here at once. I will also go to the cinema, she retorts and runs down the street. Suddenly, something stirs in the air. There's a muffled grunt in the sky and the breeze changes. The sky turns red. Tin sheds begin to flap and rattle. The smell of wind on earth. It's a dust storm. Stray pieces of paper littering the ground outside the bookbinder's shop fly up and float in the air. Bicycles fall in a slow, studied motion along the wall of the cinema house. The wooden shutter of Gyan Halwai's shop tilts and slips out of its clamp. He stands with his arms outstretched, holding it with all his malai strength against the wind, his lungi threatening to fly off. A rickshaw puller pedals backwards and sideways. The world seems to slant at the edges. Dust storms the streets. My Sardi's voice cuts through the mayhem. Stop! I say, get back, girl, it's dark. The girl's not coming back. She runs all the way to the end of the street and suddenly finds herself in the middle of Katra Sher Singh Chowk in front of Regent Talkies, surrounded by huge Cinema posters. The posters begin to tear from the whiplash of the wind. Sir, sir. Faces of actors and actresses fold up and slap against the dry whitewash of the decrepit cinema hall. Unable to keep her eyes open from the dust, wind and tears, the little girl hides her face in her sleeve. At her feet swirl particles of dust torn scraps of paper, bright orange and pink trimmings from the tailor's shop and gather momentum. She stands still for a while watching the little merry-go-round around her dotted rubber booties until her eyes fall upon something. Across the street, the plotwala. The plotwala is doing a tandav. He's the skinny man who sells little leaflets with the plot and songs of Hindi films printed on them. A strong gust whisks away the sepia-colored leaves from his hands and flings them into the wind. They soar in the air, going up and up in circles, dodging the poor man's attempts to retrieve them. 
tossed into the wind the yellowed sheet somersault now diving to his feet now rising as if to sudden applause he leaps and plunges by the side of the road slapping his arms around hurling himself at the musical notes one leaf slips into two and two into four till the songs dance above his gaunt lanky frame he dances with the songs the poor plotwala trying in vain to hang on to his only means of livelihood as it slips away into grainy air no one notices the little girl as she stands in the middle of the chalk enthralled by the dance of songs her large eyes fill with tears but she forgets to cry there you are marjani my sardi steps forward scoops me up in one sweeping movement lodges me onto her hip strides down the street and puts me back inside the house where i belong as we enter my grandmother rises from a chair pointing a finger at me no little girls from good homes ever go out to cinemas on the street thank you how old were you four four i think three and a half and you were told not to go to the cinema <laughs> and that's when she decided she is going to be an actress when she grows up she's such a rebellious person i can see that <laughs> right so um yeah so it's descriptive uh she also writes about her um, imaginary world yes yes it's which is my, very early yeah it's one of my yeah. favorite chapters it was a chapter that was quite likely uh to be left out of the book and then i had to find i was i was really struggling with myself as it you know my imagination coming every now and then is not going to work i have to find i have to give it the prominence it needs because what is a child's life without his or her imaginary world so i i had to you know yeah but you had the world going on around you it was like a yes. kaleidoscope of yes. things happening which she is sitting in the house and actually just had to look down and see people in mochistan people in the yeah, yeah. thing so it was yes, all there was, there was there was loads too i mean there was so much yeah so this is the the Around, making of yeah. deepthi how she came where she is today she finishes the book by the time she reaches 18 so it's very important to understand yeah, what were her influences my book goes up to the point where my father decided to migrate to the us and i i uh, you know i'd finished school i'd finished a year and a half of prep and was studying in the first year for my ba and that's when we left so it's it it has its 400 pages of the first 19 years of my life that's what the book is yeah so which one yeah the, the so let's do uh, Uh, the blue frog fiasco it's a bit descriptive yeah, yeah. so because this uh, that's to learning that's what? towards the end so we are just trying to establish the writing and okay, I'm the to, style I'm, i'm going to read a read from one um memory which is very dear to me uh, i call it the blue frog fiasco दिवाली का दिवाली का टाइम जब होता है सो वी ऑल यू नो वी ऑल यूज टू गेट न्यू फ्रॉक्स मामा माई मदर बींग 
very you know she was she's very fond of uh, stitch sewing and she would she had this uh, magazine called women in home and she would stitch a lot of our clothes but most of them came from the sardar tailor who was just across uh, the main uh, gate of the house the on the street across so here is this little thing that happened one diwali night hum hamesha diwali pe naye kapde hote the so this one was an exception one diwali night was particularly eventful i would later remember it as the blue frock fiasco i must have been about 7 years old then in preparation for diwali that year mama had cut out from women in home a beautiful picture of two little girls wearing identical frocks the frocks were a rich deep blue with gathers at the waist mama wanted the same exact frock stitched for didi and me for this diwali she had a very fine piece of white muslin lying in the wooden almira which she decided to get dyed a blue the muslin was pulled out from the cupboard one afternoon and taken to the rangwala who dyed the same blue mama carried the magazine with her to show color sing i'm afraid as a child i would call rangwale ko i used to call him color sing but only in my head so we, with her to show color sing exactly what she desired as blue is this she told him nothing less it's called prussian blue yes yes he assured her as if he knew then she told then then the old sardar tailor from across our house was called in i want the same exact pattern she said placing the magazine in front of him the old man got down to work immediately diwali being just a day away the day of diwali i was very excited every now and then we run to the thada and we see we saw the sardar tailor is doing the you know he's doing the last bit on the frocks and we run back inside and and we did that the whole evening we did that didi and i on our terrace we had not i'm skipping a bit so that i don't endlessly on our terrace we had not lit the candles as the night wore on the festivity around us began to fade the firecrackers that had lit up the sky a while ago creating a fantastic backdrop for the white minarets of the mosque had dwindled to a handful uh, here and there children around the neighborhood had finished bursting the last of their crackers for the night and were now going back inside their homes this was the quietest diwali for us girls only one bulb still glowed the old sardar darzi sitting on his wooden stool working away in his modest establishment giving the giving the finishing touches to our frocks by hand his was the last shop still open in the street both didi and i were quiet mama stood at the thada with us sharing our disappointment all the iron and wooden shutters of the shops on our street clanged shut a finale to the diwali night we came inside the house time now to change into our pajamas and get into bed this diwali night was gone forever from our lives uncelebrated suddenly suddenly there was a knock on the phatak without pausing to think i ran to open the main gate i perched on my toes to push up the iron latch so the small gate could be released open in my heart i knew whoever was knocking on our door at this hour could only be god sent sure enough there he was the old sardar darzi 
Standing in the dark, his face frayed and tilted to one side, both his arms stretched out. My eyes lit up at what I saw. Our very own Messiah, his grey beard and white turban glowing in the light of the street lamp, the Saviour himself. In his hands, he held two hangers on which hung frocks of the most brilliant blue I'd ever seen. The old tailor's face, face had a faint smile of regret and benediction at the same time. I looked at the frocks and then at him. Didi came up behind me. There we were, two little girls, misty-eyed, gaping at the old man who stood Jesus-like, blue color dripping from his palms. Mama quickly changed us back from the pajamas into our new blue frocks that Diwali night. We were the last two girls up on a terrace, lighting firecrackers, invoking the gods, illuminating the dark skies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think there's one other thing that really comes across in this book, which is that she's very comfortable with her culture. I mean, she uses words like marjani, like um, Veda, thara, Veda, thara, good bandy lantern. Masi. I don't know how many of you have heard this, yeah, this everybody line. Must, no. Have you heard of good man the lantern? Yeah, there you are. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> because I ended up in, uh, in Bombay. My father always, when he was tickled about something, he would say, oh, he would clap his hands and say, good man the lantern. And okay, we just took it for granted. Um, exciting kuch ho to, wo expression hai ye. And then years later, I, I'm in Bombay, I'm living my life as an actor and I'm just bought myself a flat and I'm going to Chor Bazaar to look for interesting things. So I see this ship lamp, this little ship lamp, ship lamp and I pick it up and what do I see? It says Goodman or Goodman, this British company. And I said, oh, the lanterns, they made lanterns. So that is good man, the lalten, you know. <laughs> so, yes, there are lots of such expressions in the book, which are which she's very comfortable with, talking about culture, talking about where she grew up. Um, No, I think we need to move fast because we've okay, got okay. another 10 minutes. And if Achoo. I don't give them a little bit All of flavor right. of Achoo. your acting somewhere, your influence, they are going to kill me. So I have to bring that up. You promise so, not to so I up. promise, but, <laughs> but I can see the mood. Uh, so the thing is, this book is about the influences that made her different in the film industry. She could have actually gone there to Bollywood and become one of like everybody else and made hundreds of films. She chose not to do that. She made, chose very few films and she continued to do other things, you know, which excited her, travel, painting. There's another thing that I need to bring up. All so of us who come grew from up- from an academic yeah. background, so it's very difficult to do something quite uh, you know, totally opposing, you know, you have to stay within the framework of how you've been brought up. So the influence of literature came from her father, the influence of theater. My mother, yeah. by the way, my mother was a wonderful painter. My father taught English all his life, even in America. And uh, he studied English literature at Lahore DAV College, Gaman College, sorry. And so he, I mean, they remained teachers, both of them. 
सो घर में एज अ चाइल्ड वॉज ओनली किताबें वन वन पिताजी आई टू कॉल एम पिति वन पिति यूज टू बी हर दाटक पे जब पता चल जाता है ये पिताजी का नॉक है तो वी वुड ग्रैप द फर्स्ट बुक दैट वी कुड सी लुक अराउंड एंड क्विकली प्रिटेंड लाइक हम तो पढ़ ही रहे हैं और तो कुछ करते ही नहीं हम कभी सिर्फ पढ़ते ही हैं बस the influence i think all of us growing at that age had was of nuns nuns because yeah. somewhere or the other i went to jesus and mary college she was in school sacred heart convent yeah. we i was brought up by uh, the the all the european nuns you know who were all from the belgian congregation um, and they were horribly strict and later on as we grew up of course we started to gossip about them but as children it it, it meant a lot they were, we were not allowed to speak in punjabi you know so this book has punjabi words with a vengeance not just not without a thought huh? ambarsar i mean she proudly says ambarsar and yeah, then and when the yeah when the nuns used pass by we would uh, you know turn the ambarsar into ambusher <laughs> so yeah the other thing that sort of you had great empathy with was psychological problems with people i think you saw a lot of that in those mental, days uh, mental, mental illness yeah. was not not really talked about so there used to be people just called you know mopagal hai wo shudai hai wo aisa hai but they had yeah. mental illness yeah those days there wasn't much work done and there wasn't much help for uh, people who um, who suffered uh, mentally and uh, it was like such a taboo and it was it was something that should not be spoken about and so they never really got the help uh, help that they deserved i mean one of my school friends went through this uh, and we were very devastated i was 14 15 maybe we were very devastated when she was sent uh, by the nuns because they didn't know how to handle her when she became a little self destructive and they thought she could harm herself or others so they sent her to the amritsar mein ek uh, mental institution hai um and we were very i mean as girls we were we were a group of five girls we were in the same group very devastated that uh, and, and i remember going to the the mental hospital to see our friend and the 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 kind the, the way it impacted me seeing people there and i think it's not without reason that when i joined college in new york this abnormal psychology became one of my um you know subjects to study seriously i have done a lot of work uh, towards the mentally ill also by writing a lot about them i mean this in in my in my earlier one of the earlier books called black wind and other poems uh, about 24 25 poems are about the women that i confronted in various mental institutions mental asylums in in india to wo kaam to yeah that is because it comes from childhood in uh, in my mother's burma stories because i heard them so many times there was a character one of her um, young cousins was called roland when the japanese invaded burma in 1942 roland this little indian boy 13 years old he was he was taken away by the uh japanese and kept in their concentration camp sort of camp they were not known as but they were uh, the torture camps and he had to 
translate because he knew Japanese and he knew Burmese. So he was there for for months translating uh, for the Japanese. And uh, by the end of the war, uh, Roland definitely had lost his mind. And he was brought to India, but he suffered for the rest of his life. He could never, he could never recover from those. Uh, so yeah, so uh, there is, I mean, there was a, there was a mad woman in the, every mohalla, I think, koi na koi ek shudain or shudai bolte the Punjab mein, koi ek mad person who's around the vicinity, mohalle, um, around your surroundings, ho jata hai koi na koi. So there was a woman uh, who used to chase our tonga when we would go to school. So we used to be petrified. We used to call her my kodkirli. I don't know. Kodkirli is Punjabi for lizard. So I don't know why we used to call her my kodkirli, but we were petrified of her. Uh, so I guess my uh, concern rather, uh, yeah, my concern for the mentally disturbed uh, has... Uh, yeah, you know, no, it comes from a from the early from yeah. the early years. Your yeah. your empathy My for empathy. them and for yeah. for yeah. poor people, it came from a very small childhood incident where you saw a little boy who didn't yeah. get food, and you yes. were kind of yeah, you've written go, that as yeah, well. Yeah, my mother would go uh, doing little social work about the vicinity, and I went with her once. And there's dood bantne ke liye, so they are they are, she's distributing milk to all the you know little urchins who are around in the gullies of uh, the walled city. So at the end of the milk distribution session, um, as I'm holding on to, I'm like four, four and a half, mama ke saath, I'm latakke, jaise hum log niche aane lage, this little boy standing there, uh, and he's got a bowl in his hand, and mama said, hi bachchan, why you come so late? Doot to khatam ho gaya. And uh, he's little toddler, you know, he's two and a half or something. And he says, my mother didn't have a bowl. And I remember that so well. I remember registering that little boy in my head as somebody whose mother didn't have a bowl to go get milk in. Um, I mean, that level of poverty and then that, that kind of... Uh, and then later on, of course, I, I, I would write at some point that you know, after when I'm sitting in New York and I'm you know, going through my college days and I'm recollecting those days of Amritsar, I'm saying sometimes I'm the little, I'm looking, sometimes I'm looking down like at life, you know, and I see this, and I see this, uh, what I have and what I don't have. And sometimes uh, I'm that little boy with an empty bowl in my hand. So, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, so there are, there are okay. two more things that we'll just talk about before we open them to the question. Three, three minutes. Three minutes. Right. So, uh, so let's just go to the last one. Yeah, we'll go to the last passage and then I am going to spring a surprise on her 
I want you to sing four lines. Not at all. We don't have. We have only three minutes. <laughs> I want to take questions. No, no, no. <laughs> just I love no, her voice, no, no, and she sings so beautifully. Please, you have to. She sang for Kumari Amrita. Yeah, those very dangerous things. And 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 when we are driving, she sings, and I think it's the most privileged thing for me to hear her sing. She has the most beautiful voice. Okay, I'm going to read them. Okay, <laughs> she's going to read. Uh, yeah, the last uh, part of description. Of, this is uh, when my father yeah, migrates and we are to join him a year later. He's already gone. As the plane took off the tarmac of Indian soil, leaving the country of my childhood behind, memories began to unspool in my head like a top angle shot in which I could see details of all that my life had been until this point of time. The large dimly lit house, the dust rising and falling as little children flapped barefoot in the gully, the flight of pigeons, the white of the mosque, the grey of the clouds, up on a terrace, two sisters against the sunlit dome, ringing chiffon dupattas, flicking them dry in the breeze. The sound of water pouring into the tin tub, the enigma of the of the dark terraces, the latticed windows through which light fell on the walls, breaking into little rectangles. All these seemed part of another world, a world I was looking at from the other side of the globe now. And suddenly everything that was the now of my life became a memory. Here's a bird's eye view. A young girl sitting on a terrace in a house next to a mosque, surrounded by waves of houses and gullies fanning outwards through the walled city, Hall gate with its clock tower and the chalk, bicycle shops and vegetable stalls next, next to the rickshaw stand, the bus stop, which formed the heart of the city from where one road wound its way up Bhandari Bridge, where you had to get off from the bicycle and walk up to the circle going down on the other side, past Company Bagh from behind the VJ Hospital all the way out to turn into Majita Road, which then rambled along miles to reach the familiar red brick colonial, colonial structure of Sacred Heart Convent School, standing aloof amidst green fields, a dust track leading to the forbidden idol of Kali, enigmatic amidst the golden mustard fields, thick with the winter fog, all of this and more was my hometown of Amritsar. Surrounded by a network of deserted roads along which the occasional bullock cart would amble lazily, headed for other destinations in a country of thousands of towns and villages. Thank you. Thank you, Amdam. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jepper Bites. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. This podcast is produced by Launchora in association with Teamwork Arts. Please follow or subscribe to this show wherever you're listening to this to be notified about new episodes.